Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. The final from Great American Ballpark in Cincinnati. It's the Cleveland Guardians 3, the Cincinnati Reds nothing. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field. The thing I enjoy, watching baseball being played. And I missed it. I missed baseball a little bit. Uh, with that early Sunday game, and then no game on Monday, it took two nights off from watching baseball. And uh, frankly, it's it's kind of the only thing we put on the TV when the, when the kid's around, so before he goes to bed. So uh, I missed having baseball on the TV at night. And uh, it was nice to get back to our old routine, have the Guardians game on to uh, keep us company while we throw every toy we have around the living room. So uh, let's get into it. Let's get into the win for the Guardians. And uh, honestly, this is, a, this is a pretty solid win. This is, this is kind of the way the Guardians front office drew it up, right? A couple timely hits, uh, you know, score three runs, and the pitching just absolutely goes out and dominates. And... I mean, they they dominated. Logan Allen, six innings pitched, four hits, no earned runs, three walks, seven strikeouts. On 87 pitches, he's only hard hit four times. De Los Santos, despite giving up a two-out double, uh, does strike out the side. Three strikeouts for him in the seventh. And hey... The, uh, you know, the double he gave up to was, of course, to Will Benson, former Cleveland Guardian, but that's okay. Uh, Trevor Steffen works an efficient eighth inning, 12 pitches, uh, nothing, literally zeros across the board, zero hits, walks, strikeouts, nothing. Uh, And then Classe shuts him down despite a leadoff hit in the ninth inning. Classe shuts it down in the ninth, including a strikeout, which we are going to talk about in detail. So as you can see, I mean, a really, really solid pitching night from your Cleveland Guardians. Absolutely shutting down, despite stacking the lineup with right-handed hitters. Uh, Logan Allen absolutely shuts him down for six innings. There was maybe one moment, one moment where you possibly got nervous. And uh, luckily, uh, Ellie De La Cruz ran them out of that inning by trying to tag up from first and go to second. I believe it was that sixth inning um, where he tried to tag up and go to second. And uh, Spencer Steer had flown out to right field. Uh, and he got, I mean, Brennan just a great throw. Uh, good mechanics, got the ball, set his feet, made a strong throw, a nice one-hop strike. For an easy tag on De La Cruz. Um, And then he strikes out Henry Ramos to end that inning. So a strong finish for Logan Allen. It was really the the only time that maybe the Reds thought they had a chance. Uh, I guess they also had two on in the fourth inning. A walk and then a two-out single. But he strikes out Fairchild to get out of it. So uh, frankly, i got to be honest with you. First, let me just say this. This Reds lineup, I, I know the Reds have had some serious, serious turnover in the last year, but I, I don't recognize most of these names. Uh, I recognize them in passing. Obviously, I know I've heard all about Ellie De La Cruz, but I mean, some of these guys that they consider some of their core players now, uh, I mean, these names are brand new to me. I know nothing about these guys. So uh, I guess this whole, this little I hate that they give us a two-game series. I'm gonna all right. I'm gonna take another tangent here. Why do they give Cincinnati and Cleveland these little two-game week weekday series? 
Why aren't they playing a three-game weekend series? That place would be packed. You know how many Clevelanders there are in Cincinnati and Cincinnatians that are up here in Cleveland? Or how many would make the travel? Or how many are in Columbus and would travel? You know, like, that place would be packed. It really would be the Battle of Ohio if you would just do this on a summer weekend. Do it on 4th of July weekend every year. Cleveland versus Cincinnati. It would be packed and fun. And, I mean, Bengals-Browns games are intense. It would be fun to play them over a weekend series. But instead, we get the same little two-day, two-game set in the middle of a week, and then we get to go play four against the Tigers at home. I I don't know why they do this to us. Uh, They kind of take a little of the steam out of this interstate rivalry here. But um, Guardians off to a good start in the Ohio Cup here. And uh, all right, let's get into some of the details here. Logan Allen is the top storyline of this game. Um, I mean, his location, his command was impeccable. I want to compare, uh, I want to do a little comparison of the rookies. And I know I still owe um, Jeff his uh, comparison, uh, his rookie comparison as well. Uh, He wanted a deeper discussion on how the kids are doing. Um, and then, uh, I wanted to compare them to, uh, when the last crop of rookies came up, Plesak, Savale, Bieber. So Jeff, that is still, that's still out there. I think tomorrow, I think fan should be updated by tomorrow and maybe we can tack that onto tomorrow's episode and just see where, where these rookies actually rank amongst each other and some of the different things that fan can do once its data is updated. Uh, but Logan Allen's command was impeccable in this game. The changeup, just battering the outside edge of the plate with the changeup. Pounding down and into these right-handed hitters with the sweeper, with the slider. And then throwing the fastball and the cutter basically everywhere. He kept the cutter down. A lot of cutters also pounding down and in to these right-handed hitters, and then popping the fastball up at the top of the zone, hitting both sides of the plate with the fastball. It really is impressive what Logan Allen was able to do with his command. Uh, You'll see the CSW numbers in a second. They're very impressive. But as far as called strikes go, a lot of stuff staying away. A couple of change-ups on the outside edge, a couple of fastballs on that outside edge, even snuck a few sliders in there. Um... And a couple of cutters in there. But kind of staying to that outside edge for all the called strikes. The swinging strikes are even more fun. Uh, A couple of those change-ups away, he got guys to go out and expand the zone and chase. But a lot of stuff pounding down and in at the knees. My God, the Cincinnati Reds were swinging at this stuff. I got four sweepers down here. I got two cutters. I got two sliders. And yes, there is a difference between his sweeper and his slider. Uh, there's a big difference in movement, how much the pitch moves. Uh, that is one giveaway for what's a sweeper and what's a slider. Really what it breaks down to is the grip they use to throw the pitches. I believe the sweeper comes from more of like a two-seam fastball type grip. So uh, there is a there is a difference um, there. So uh, yeah, two sliders, four sweepers, two cutters, and three change-ups all below the strike zone. And then went fastball right down the middle, just for fun. Uh, I, I, 93.1 is a pretty hard fastball for Logan Allen. 
Um, that's at the top of his velocity. But in the fourth inning on an 0-1 count to uh, Stuart Fairchild, he just pumps a fastball right down the middle, right past him. So uh, that's all your swinging strikes from Logan Allen. So uh, as you can see, keeping the ball down, keeping those breaking balls down, those off-speed pitches down was huge for him. So let's go to his player breakdown page. And yeah, his max on the day was 93.2. So like I said, 93, I think it was 93.1 swing strike right down the middle was towards the top of his velocity for the day. The difference in break between that slider and sweeper is pretty significant. Uh, the average vertical break on the slider is 37 inches. On the sweeper, it's 44 inches. So we're talking seven more inches of vertical drop, vertical break on that pitch. And then the horizontal movement, my God, the average horizontal movement on the day was five inches on that slider. It's 14 inches on the sweeper. So nine extra inches of movement on that pitch. That's a huge difference. In fact, the slider has similar movement to the cutter that he throws, but the cutter comes in at about two to three miles per hour faster than the slider, which comes in about three to four miles per hour faster than the sweeper. So you can see how his pitches all vary off of each other. Um, so let's get to those CSW numbers. The uh, changeup, which he threw second most, and he really did throw all his pitches. I mean, the fastball 28 times, changeup 21 times, 13 cutters, 13 sliders, 12 sweepers. The changeup was the most effective when it came to swing and miss. A 75% whiff rate on his changeup, and we talked about it. Some of those were off the plate, outside, and some of those were down below the strike zone. But uh, it's a 43% CSW total on that pitch. Uh, 50% whiff rate on both the slider and the sweeper. Uh, it's a it's a 38% whiff rate total on the day and a 34% CSW total on the day. So a really, really good job uh, from Logan Allen of using all those pitches effectively. Uh, like I said, uh, only a few times he gets into trouble. A, a big base running mistake by the Reds definitely helps him get out of that sixth inning. But I do like the strikeout to uh, Henry Ramos. And we're going to go through two Henry Ramos at-bats here and break down the strikeouts. So this is to end the sixth inning. And man, Logan Allen is just keeping everything down. Starts him off with a sweeper below the knees that he swings over for strike one. Throws another one in the dirt. All right, 1-1 one, one count. Throws a cutter down there that he doesn't chase. Okay, it's a 2-1 count, but he stays committed to staying down. But he's got to mix it up a little bit here. So he throws him that changeup, that changeup that breaks the other direction, stays away from those right-handed hitters, leaves it on the outside part of the plate, leaves it off the plate just outside, and he chases it to make it a 2-2 count, and then comes all the way back across the plate crosses all that traffic and uh, comes all the way inside at his knees with a sweeper. I mean, serious, serious movement on this thing. 42 inches of drop, 12 inches of horizontal break, and uh, gets him to swing through it way inside to strike him out, end the inning, end his day, walk away with a nice, clean six innings of shutout baseball. So Ramos goes down hard. 
Uh, like I said, De Los Santos, uh, nice to see him be very effective again. I feel like the last time we talked about De Los Santos, it was because he got blown up. So nice to see him strike out the side. Trevor Steffen holds it down in the eighth. And then Classe in the ninth inning. Uh, definitely want to talk about him because I know, I think the last time we talked about Classe, he was getting blown up by the Rays. Great job of working the cutter up high this time and working that slider off the plate. Uh, got some big swinging strikes uh, on that uh, slider off the plate. Did leave a few sliders um, in the middle of the plate. One from Christian Strand uh, that gets a hit for an out. And one that gets fouled off by TJ Friedel. So, you know, we talked about keeping that slider out of the middle of the plate. And he does a good job here of getting it, uh, getting it off the plate. So... Um, Let's go through, uh, there's another good strikeout uh, in this game, and it's Henry Ramos again. And uh, it's with, after Spencer Steer gets a uh, gets a leadoff single off of Classe, a cutter that he threw to the outside edge, and but didn't get it far enough outside. And Steer's able to single it into right field. A good job by him going the opposite way on an 0-2 count with an outside pitch that was breaking away from him. That's a good at-bat from Steer. Uh, I just love this at bat against Henry Ramos. He goes, he goes four, four corners. He goes four corners against Henry Ramos. And it is probably some of the most effective stuff I've ever seen from Emmanuel Classe. First pitch cutter that he tries to throw down and away to his arm side, away from the left-handed batter. And he just misses the outside corner. They call it ball one. That's a real tight strike zone. He gives him right there. Uh, comes back with another cutter. Doesn't quite make it to the inside edge on uh, Ramos across the strike zone. But it's down at the knees, and he gets him to swing over it for a strike. So doesn't quite make it to the corner, but was definitely going for the inside corner. Then he goes up and away, goes for the top outside corner, and gets a called strike out there. Very similar to that first pitch. It's just top of the strike zone versus bottom of the strike zone. But he gets the call on the third pitch. Then comes up and in, so he hits the fourth corner here um, that he gets him to foul it off, coming up and in on him. Then he slows it down and reaches all the way across the strike zone with that slider, doesn't leave it in the middle of the plate, buries it at his knees, and finally hits that down and in corner and gets him to swing through it for strike three. So literally hits all four corners of the strike zone in one at-bat. That's impressive. I am thoroughly impressed by that. So uh, a great job from Classe there, shutting things down in the ninth inning and getting that save. Now the big news before the game, switching over to the other side of the the, uh, box score here, was Jose Ramirez coming back from his little suspension. I think Francona even said to the uh, in an interview or pregame interviews or pregame conversations that uh, it worked like a little break for Jose Ramirez because, you know, he played in the All-Star game, so he doesn't get that break. And it it wasn't the worst thing in the world to give Jose a couple days, three days off in the middle of the season. Um, that's just that's, that's a nice positive attitude to have about being suspended from the baseball, you know. Uh, hey, it's a three-day vacation. Um, so Ramirez comes back, and instead of slotting into his number three hole, where he's been playing all season, uh, Andres Jimenez was hitting very well down in Tampa, 
So Ramirez goes into the two hole and Andres Jimenez, Andres Jimenez bats third. Something that I believe I was mentioning during the offseason and into spring training that that's a that's a possibility for this lineup to get Jimenez up there at the top of the lineup. If you want to break up your lefties, you put the switch hitter Ramirez in the middle and Ramirez gets a few more at bats in the season by batting second instead of third. And it's kind of fun, right? Kind of fun to get him up there a little bit quicker in these rallies. So uh, Ramirez bats second and delivers two for four on the day, uh, including a sun-assisted double, um, which I'll talk about in a second. But I just I wanted to check on Ramirez's career splits batting second versus other spots in the lineup. Uh, he has hit in all nine spots in the lineup uh, a decent amount. Like, he actually has a decent amount of plate appearances. It's not just, like, one pinch hit appearance. Uh, he has decent at-bats in all spots in the lineup. He's had a long career at this point. Um, but he's definitely strongest batting third. Uh, or maybe it's just because he moved to the three-hole when he came into his own, when he be- developed into the superstar that we know and love, and he started batting third. But he's got a 920 OPS batting third, the highest of any spot in the lineup. Second would be batting fifth. He had an 868 OPS when he used to bat fifth. Um, Batting second, he's had a decent amount. I mean, 555 plate appearances in 129 games. So almost a full season of batting second. He's a 251 hitter there with a 727 OPS. I don't know if that means anything going forward, but I figured I'd at least give you the numbers there. So uh, not traditionally his strongest spot in the lineup, but he comes out strong in this game. Now, the first inning, it's kind of ridiculous here. And Spencer Steer, uh, you feel bad for the guy in left field. If this game, I I don't know why they started the game at 640. I, I appreciate it. I like getting a nice jump on these games, especially these weekday games. Like I would be fine if every Guardians weekday game Started at 6, 6.30, 6.40, whatever they want to do. Like, I'm cool with that. It doesn't just have to be April and May. Like, go for it the whole season. The, these weekday games, it means more kids are going to be able to watch them, right? So, uh, yeah, so they start this at 6.40. If they had started this at 7.10, when they, you know, then they'd be starting a home game in the weekend. Uh, Spencer Steer does not have the sun in his eyes. And does not miss this Jose Ramirez line drive double to kick off things in this game. But luckily for Cleveland, I mean, the sun was right in his eyes. He had the sunglasses on, he had his hand up, and he absolutely loses this baseball. I've, I've been there as an outfielder. Hey, it's slow pitch softball, but sometimes we play early in the mornings on Sundays, and that sun is right behind home plate. And I mean, literally blinding in left field. Once the ball goes in the air, you're done. You have no chance. And that's what happens to steer here. Like, I feel so bad for the guy. Um, You could feel him. It felt like a spotlight was on him. Uh, It was so bright in left field. But just for that at bat, right? I mean, by the time the inning's over, that sun is gone and uh, isn't an issue for the rest of the game. So, Guardians... Uh, the baseball gods, whatever you want to say, uh, definitely luck out here. 
Uh, Jose Ramirez, uh, so Quan had a nice single to kick things off. Ramirez with that double in the left field. After Jimenez does strike out, and now Jimenez batting third didn't actually have a good game. So uh, it's not as much fun. He goes 0 for 4 on the day. But Cole Calhoun comes up, slices a nice single in the left field, and drives in both runs uh, to score in the first inning. So the Guardians actually have a rally in the first where they put up a crooked number, and I'm digging it. And then their 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 other run comes on a pretty simple, uh, pretty simple play. Uh, Miles Straw with a single would steal second base. Nice to see Miles Straw two stolen bases on the day. And then Stephen Kwan, uh, a nice line drive single brings him in to score. Shoots it back up the middle, I believe, if my memory serves correct, in that seventh inning. So. Uh, a back-to-back singles with a stolen base in the middle, and boom, a run is in. Okay, that is that's efficient baseball. If you can do that consistently, I'll stop harping on the home runs. And I mean, we're playing in Great American Ballpark, which is just begging for baseballs to be hit out of it. So, of course, the Guardians go in and have no home runs uh, in this game. But uh, if you could do that and manufacture runs that efficiently. Okay, I, I honest to God, I would stop complaining about the home runs. Uh, it's when these rallies take a ton of work and like six guys have to come into the plate just to get one run across. Those are the ones where it's like, God, I just wish there was someone in this lineup who would hit a home run at this point. So uh, that's it. That's your offense. Uh, they uh, they had a lot of good swings. Uh, Gonzalez, Oscar Gonzalez does go one for three, but he had some good swings on the ball. He hit some... Some nice line drives. Uh, I think is his first at bat the one where he gets hit by the pitch. Yeah, his next time up, uh, he lines out to center field. It was 98.2 mile per hour exit velocity, 19 degree launch angle, just kind of right at center field. If that thing is a little bit more shaded towards the gap, you got yourself a nice double there. Like it, it's a good swing. Don't do anything different with the swing, right? It just if you get a little bit more of the gap, maybe sh- you know. Just aim it just a little bit. Uh, you end up with a base hit. It had a 340 expecting batting average, which show you is, shows you it had a good exit velocity, good launch angle. I uh, just couldn't get it done. I felt like there were a lot of those. There were a lot of those on the day where the Guardians hit the ball hard, had nice swings, and just uh, and just nothing to show for it uh, in the hit column there. So. Uh, there were a ton of ground outs. Uh, I will say this, that uh, uh, Reds pitcher Ashcroft, who didn't do terrible, seven innings pitch, seven hits, three earned runs, two walks, two strikeouts. It's not a terrible start from Ashcroft. Um, he had a ton of ground outs, uh, 11 ground outs to one flyout. So he did have the Guardians pounding things into the ground. You know, he throws that cutter-slider combo. Uh, so everything's moving a little bit. And uh, it worked to get a lot of ground balls. I will give him credit there. But, uh, you know, the Guardians also, there were some good line drive swings that just didn't uh, just didn't make it through. Uh, so I, I have no problem with the offense on this night. Three runs, seven hits. I'll take it. I'll take it from this Guardians offense. Um, n- again, not a ton of hard hit balls. Ashcroft in those seven innings only gives up. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven hard hit balls. And then 
frankly, Alex Young coming in from the bullpen uh, gives them two innings, no hits, no runs, three strikeouts. He pitched very well. I frankly do not remember Alex Young at all. I know he pitched in Cleveland uh, recently, 2001, and one appearance in uh, 2022. Um, Did I say 2001? 2021. uh, And then one appearance in 2022. Uh, A blank. I mean, an absolute blank. I don't remember Alex Young at all, but uh, apparently he did pitch here. So uh, he fits in with the Cincinnati Reds, which have a ton of former Cleveland Guardians in their midst. So uh, that's kind of all my thoughts on this one. I, I'm happy with this win. I'm happy with this pitching. MVP on the day going to Logan Allen. I mean, just a really, really solid start, even though the Reds try to stack every righty they had against him. Just a beautiful job. Uh, you know, three walks it might be a little bit high, but when he gets it up to seven strikeouts, okay. Hey, I, okay, I can I can live with it, actually. Uh, if you're going to be hitting seven strikeouts, that's a pretty good number for Logan Allen there. Um, and the four, only four hard-hit balls on the day. So really impressed with him. So he's taking home MVP on the day. Our uh, our only email tonight uh, is from Marlon in Birmingham. And uh, Marlon said, well, it wasn't pretty offensively, but they got the job done. Solid pitching and a couple of timely hits were the moral of tonight's story. These young arms are dialed in and absolutely filthy. Tonight it was Logan Allen, Whelan, and Dillon. Um, he talked a little bit about Jose Ramirez batting second. Um uh, the bullpen did a very nice job despite giving him a hit. De Los Santos struck out the side. Stefan also did a nice job retiring the side in order, though I must admit I let out an audible groan when Classe entered the game. He started off shaky by giving up an 0-2 single to Steer, but settled down nicely. While it was nice to see him bounce back, Steer's at-bat seems to seems like a trend with him in which he'll get ahead of a hitter but will leave a pitch over the plate instead of attempting to chase something out of the strike zone. Man, Marlon, you are you're kind of turning into an Emmanuel Classe. Uh, not a I don't what's the not a hater. You're not a hater, Marlon. But I I feel like there needs to be a term in between fan and hater, like something else on the negative end of that spectrum. That's not like a full hater. But uh, you've been down. You've been down on Classe all season, and you've 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 made it quite clear. Um, hopefully Thor keeps up good, keeps up the good pitching. One more win guarantees the guardians will keep the Ohio cup. That's right. It is the start of that four game set for the, the absolutely coveted Ohio cup. Uh, and Thor. Yeah, it's always, it's, it's honestly, it's been exciting to see Thor pitch for us. I, I am excited, excited to see what Syndergaard has tomorrow, uh, as we face one of their lefties, uh, at another six forty start Abbott going for the Reds. Um, Marlon did follow up and uh, added, I forgot to mention how nice it is when Straw gets on base and how he can impact the game. If he reaches base and steals, Quan is a runner in scoring position. This was illustrated tonight with the third run scored. It's too bad he's such a terrible hitter. If only he could improve with the bat and get on base more with Quan hitting. Yeah, you know, the thing I wanted to say about this, Marlon, is we've been hard on Miles Straw all season, but we do remember a time when we were a little bit excited about him being kind of a solid presence in center field, his, his defense. We thought he would get on base more. We thought he would hit for a little bit higher average. 
honestly, if he got the batting average up to 250, if he got the on-base percentage up just a little bit higher, you know, that OPS at 604 is just a, it's too low. It's just too low. But if he got things up just a little bit higher, what's his on-base percentage right now? His on-base percentage is 303. For his career, it's only a 318 on-base percentage. Uh, yeah, last year, it was only a 291 on-base percentage. When we got him in 2021, uh, he had a 362 on-base percentage and hit 285. I mean, that's the guy we thought we were keeping. Even if the batting average isn't at 285, like even if he's a 250 hitter, 240, he's, for his career, he's a 244 hitter. If he maintained that, but got the on-base percentages up around eh, 330, 340, and stole bases when he was on, like there is a version of that that that, that does work, right? Uh, so we have been hard on Straw, but I, I will give him credit that there is talent there. It was nice to see him steal two bases. They manufacture a run nicely in that seventh inning. And, you know, if he could keep that up, if he could keep that going, uh... I, I see it bats for him in the future. Let's put it that way. I don't know if I want him to be necessarily my starting center fielder every day, uh, but there's definitely at bats. There's definitely room for him on this roster as the fourth outfielder, uh, possibly in the future. So, not totally done with Miles Straw. Uh, just need man, he really needs to get that OPS and that that on base. It's going to be via on base percentage. That OPS isn't going to climb from slugging percentage. The the one home run. One one home one home run every one thousand at bats isn't going to get that slugging percentage up, so it's going to be the on base percentage that gets that OPS up to something a little bit more respectable. All right, that's all my thoughts on this one. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland baseball morning. You can follow me on Twitter at Davy Barris. You can email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on the game. Let me know your thoughts on a specific player. If you've got a rookie pitcher that you've really enjoyed. Let me know, and we'll discuss it on the show. It doesn't just have to be uh, game reactions like Marlon is doing. If you've got a topic you want me to discuss, like Jeff from Palo Alto did, let me know, and I'll put together a segment for you. I'll put together a deep dive for you. So uh, thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning.